1: Hello,
2: everybody, and welcome on into the free kick here. Martino Puccio and Davis Maddock alongside me here. Soccer keeps rolling; we keep rolling here with the show. Davis, um, there's still so many games left. I, I re- like I'm am not getting tired out by it, but it's just it's really just kind of like a mar- a sprint and a marathon at the same time. With every game being like pretty much every single day, and all the top teams are playing every three to four days, and and you just like have to be on top of everything. I love it. And it's like a very, very long World Cup or Euro Cup tournament. And it's just, it's still the best. So how have you been doing? I've been doing absolutely terrible with uh, a lot of my bets. I've been doing some parlays. I, I've hit, I'll do like three or four bet parlays. I hit on three of them and then I'll just lose on on one of them. And it's just been frustrating. I try moving to the two of them. I had Juve and Lazio on um, Monday, I believe it was. Uh, for a moneyline parlay, and they both lost, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, and I just felt so positive about it, and I just am defeated at the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it is, it's been. I, so the thing is, is when you are, uh, when you're in a losing streak, and it never it, it feels like it never stops because like i mean literally as you and i are broadcasting right now there are two major leagues playing games you know the italian Serie A and the english premier league and then you know that's not to mention that we have the fa cup still going on we have the mls tournament we had one game that was on this morning another game that's going to be on tonight like it feels like there's a, a never-ending stream of things to be wagering on and so when you're when you're cold uh, it's it's a pretty miserable feeling because it feels like you know I, I should be getting close to even here, but nothing is going my way.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely nothing. Even even the teams that I I felt kind of positive about, look, and I think it's just catching up to some of these teams too. Um, the the Lazio one for me, I was I I kind of thought there would have been a result on the Fourth of July when they played Milan because. They didn't have their two forwards in that, but they got completely embarrassed. It's not like they couldn't even cover in that one either. And then they lose again to Lecce. You know, it's you know, it's just something that they're just free-falling, and that even affects the future because, like I was saying, I wasn't really on them to continue what they were doing because they don't have the squad depth for it, and it's showing because they just they just look like they're fading, and they're fading fast. And the funnier part is Atalanta, if they beat Juventus this weekend, something we'll talk about later on, they could be within six points of the title. Now, I don't think they're going to win it. Obviously not. Um, we're all on Juve all the way. Juve had a couple of suspensions, and that's kind of the reason why they got throttled. But That game look, was wild. I, I I couldn't believe it. I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen anything like that in a while. We don't get a lot of wins like that these days because we've been really poor the past seven years or so. But to score four on Juve, Juve uh, hasn't been scored on four times in any competition since they lost the Champions League final. Milan hasn't scored on Juve four times in a single game since 1989. So at the end of the day, like you can't get too beat up over it um because it, it just happens, especially when they go up to nothing. Everyone thought it was done. No one really thought anything could could change there. All of a sudden a penalty and Juve conceded three times in 6 minutes. That doesn't happen ever. It's probably not going to happen again for a long time. Um, I mean, that whole back four alignment, like I, I, saw the second it got, um, tweeted out. I was like, there's potentially a result to go Milan's way just because of the way Juve has been playing. No Dybala, no Delict. They're playing Danilo at left back. It was just disastrous. And they were asking, um, to give up some points there. And, and you know what, like, they still, they still a sizable gap for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, if they could, they could have been a lot more relaxed if they win that game and they go up 10 points clear. Because at that point, then, you rest a lot more and you get ready for that Champions League return link.
1: Well, you know what's crazy is they actually, after scoring the second goal, they sub Zlatan Ibrahimovic off, you know, far and away. They're most, like, prolific per-minute striker. And they bring in uh, Rafael Liao, who, like, you know... He, he's just a very anonymous center forward you know not not going to be a guy who the Milan fans are going to remember you know 20 oh, years we from now oh, or we, whatever
2: oh, oh, he's only 20 he's only 21 he just turned
1: he's very young from
2: Portugal so he's one of their t- he's producing I thought he, he was school-
1: I thought he was Brazilian oh I'm no. wrong I'm wrong
2: no, no, yeah, yeah. He came from Portugal. They they signed him over from Ligun, and he's one of the guys that they like moving forward. Um, and I, look, he's scored in his past three games that he's gotten a, a shot in. So, I mean, look, it's, it's something there. It's, you know, Rebic is on fire. It's 10 goals in 13 Rebich games for so him. Rebic is so good. Yeah. He's insane. He's insane, and that's just one of those guys. He's one of those failed Serie A players as well. He was at Fiorentina, and then he went back to Germany. Really, kind of refound himself. And again, he's just one of those players that really is just paying off because of his pace in this league. And and that's really just where I always kind of look towards nowadays in Serie A. Whoever is got the a, fat, a paceier side, uh, more physical athletes is is going to be looking really good. Um, so. I mean, kudos to them. I don't think things are going to be changing that much there. But let's move on over to another team that used to be great in the mid two thousands as well, like Milan. Is Manchester United? They're probably playing the best uh, soccer, football in Europe right now. I mean, it's actually insane that we could talk about them making into the Champions League because, as of right now, this is it's kind of more of a likelier scenario the way Leicester has been playing as of late.
1: Uh, I mean, Manchester United. Well, first of all, I guess let's start here. Do you, do you believe, are you, are you a buyer in this version of Manchester United that has, uh, since the return, they have crushed uh, Sheffield United, they beat Norwich in the FA Cup, they crushed Brighton, and uh, they laid down five goals on, on Bournemouth? Do you believe?
2: See, that right there of the teams you rattled off isn't enough for me. I need to see it against the better squad. This is a very favorable uh, favorable fixtures uh, as of late, and they're going to go be up against Villa, I believe, next. Um, so they're, I mean, um, yeah. So look, at the end of the day, like they're taking advantage of the points that are given to them. Leicester is not. Wolves are not. Um, and you, and you've seen that. Sheffield has kind of bounced back after a little bit of a rough start since the return. For me. It's kind of hard to say no because we they didn't have the opportunity of having Paul Pogba this whole time. They had Bruno Fernandez, Rashford's healthy. Martial seems like he's a little bit reborn. Mason Greenwood has been phenomenal. It's just they're getting everything they need, and this is still without a Harry Maguire that they thought would p- play to the level that his fee was at, which was around 80 million pounds. David De Gea is still not the same guy that he was a couple years ago. So if they get those guys on track, I, I see no reason why they can't create a lot of these goals and, and do a lot of these things. Look, Leicester's not playing well. They're really not. And, and you know what? Out of all these teams that are in the hunt outside of the top four right now, Manchester United for sure, for me, I, I think they could definitely do it. And you know what? They still have the fixtures on their side. It, look, they keep on taking up these three points. It doesn't look like they're slowing down either because they've been playing all those guys. I thought they would have uh, had a little bit of difficulty, but the 120 minutes played against Norwich in the FA Cup might have gotten to uh, bite them back in the, uh, the behind, but it hasn't. I, I, like, it's it's very impressive for them, and I, I'm i not going to apologize to Ole yet, but I might if they make the Champions League. Uh,
1: I mean, I, it'll be very impressive if they make the Champions League. I think... This is what Manchester United has going for them which is that the the front three seems terrifying because now they're they're not playing old guys anymore. They are Rashford on the left, Greenwood on the right, Martial up top. Then they're using Matic, you know, behind Bruno and Pogba, you know, kind of like a a 4-1-2-3. Uh, Bruno is a little bit more of the attacker. Pogba is more of the transition guy where you know he is taking the ball from Juan bissaka taking the ball from the center backs and initiating the offense which was what Pogba did so well for those teams in Juventus. That's what Pogba does for the French national team. You know, really he is one of the best players in the world at transitioning defense to offense. Now the defense sucks. You know, Maguire, Lindelof, Juan Visaka Luke Shaw, even even De Gea, you know, no longer is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So all of that is true. But I, I think the midfield and well, they need a new defensive midfielder. You know, Matic not gonna do it. They just Fred extended
2: is- him too. So Bailey Very looks like Murphy there for a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, they kind of need like a... They need a a Conte, you know, uh type. A type player back there for sure. You know, pretty much simple passes, but a lot of energy, you know? I I, I think they're going to be looking towards
2: the center back position. I think they need more depth up top as well um, with Igalo there because they never fully replaced Lukaku, as we remember. They just slid Martial in that position and... For over a 38-game season with multiple competitions, you just need more than that, especially if they want to get back to where they used to be. Um, I agree with the center-back position as well. I think they're going to be um, transitioning Dean Henderson into in between the, the pipes and kind of slowly fade out David De Gea. There's no real opportunity for him. Maybe if you want a PSG to come calling for him, I don't think Real Madrid, that ship has sailed obviously barcelona aren't going to do it and considering the wages that you only got a handful of teams that would be interested in him um so psg for me if i could think of any off the top of my head that could maybe want to use one um would take a flyer on him but even then um you don't know there so so, look, I mean, if they get Jadon Sancho in here, it's very hard to to not see them being a competitor for the top four next year. Because as of right now, if you get all those guys fully healthy, Bruno Fernandez full season, Rashford full season there again, Greenwood's a year older. You get Pogba fully healthy again, you know, add a little bit more depth around in general, that, that team can be scary because they've shown already with limited amount of time with all these guys, with the amount of, like, they really haven't been playing together this set of 11 for more than 10 games. So it's really impressive for me because you can only imagine how much uh, more time they get, how much better they'll be. And even if they don't make um, top four, they could still win the Europa League, which they're favorites for right now on FanDuel. So that's another avenue they could go down. So for Manchester United, I think this is kind of... Not the turning point, but it's one of the signals that things are changing there, in my opinion. Because Pogba is now also open to contract extensions, which we kind of thought, hey, is he going to Real Madrid? Is he going back to Juventus? So now, you know, the whole vibe and culture is slowly changing there. So I'm going to wait and see before I declare anything like that. But it's looking pretty good for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, I, I, it's always fun when United is good. Like, I, I think it's better for world soccer when they're good and in the champions league and everything and uh yeah some people might owe some apologies you know they we might we might owe some apologies to to ole gunner Solskjaer
2: yeah i I'll, I'll probably be at the top of that um i just always thought he got that extension too early because they did great they knocked psg out of the champions league um they were doing well there um i just thought it was too soon too hasty of a decision but hey kudos to them for sticking by him Because there's not a lot of teams and clubs out there that really like to stick with a a guy. They like a lot of turnover all the time. Um, So kudos to them. Real quick before we head out, our boy Pulisic is just on fire. fire. He's probably been one of the three best players in the Premier League since it returned. One of the five best players in Europe since all the leagues have returned as well. He's just amazing and it's so great to see him advance like this. This stage at Chelsea because not a lot of youngsters really thrive there he's shown that he can and uh for an american nonetheless
1: yeah yeah i i mean i i think pulisic is gonna be a guy who has the ability to make soccer famous in the u.s
2: absolutely i already think he's the greatest of all time but but that but that's for me some people think i'm a little too hasty with that but uh we'll discuss that more when we come back here on the free kick
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back into the free kick here on the SportsGrid TV network. Davis we're getting into so many top games they don't stop as we mention every single week here The MLS is finally back. Um, what are your thoughts so far? There's been so many moving parts going on Carlos Vela not going there Um FC Dallas obviously not participating. We got Nashville not participating as well We got a group of six teams. We got a group of three teams and then the rest are four teams It's just totally bizarre. We're seeing games at 9 a.m. And then eight nine o'clock at night um, so it's really 12 hour gaps, uh I mean, what what have you thought so far? Everything has seemed a little bit sluggish, the camera angles. I mean, by the way, I don't know if you were watching the game last night between Orlando and Miami, but the Adidas logo in the middle of the field was probably the weirdest and dumbest and most unnecessary thing that I've ever seen um, in a broadcast.
1: Yeah, very, very weird. You know, the, what I, what I want to say about MLS is – I uh, I I really like the MLS, and a lot of people who are really into soccer don't. You know, people who watch the EPL, people who watch the German Bundesliga, people who watch the Serie A, they think it they think it's bad, like, and and it is. I mean, it's like championship level soccer, maybe even a little bit worse, but. I mean the first thing is as Americans like you got to the the product that people have available that they can go and watch you got to you got to support it and some of my best sporting memories ever of going to games I've been to loads of games of all different you know the all all the major sports I've been and, uh you know going to sporting Kansas City games I I literally think one of my best memories ever of, of sports it was a game where uh it was a it was a playoff game they were winning 1-0 the other team was going you know all-out attack they, they had the goalkeeper up and everything they clear the ball down the field and uh the, you know literally as time expires you know as the referee's blowing his whistle sporting scores a goal uh Josh shallowoey you know scores a, or Daniel Daniel shallow shall scores a goal immediately as as time expires and it was just like those sorts of moments you don't get it in any other sport and i would i would encourage people to be involved in the mls because it is really cool
2: yeah i think it's about the face value that you have to take at it. you can't go in expecting you know premier league level of quality you can't you can't expect that from the top five leagues that's what kind of that's just kind of the American stubbornness, though. Like, they just assume, like, the men's World Cup team, the men's national team, sorry, is going to win a World Cup within the next, like, 10 years. That's just being unrealistic. The expectations are just so bizarre for them. For me, I just... I'm not a fan of the rapid expansion. I think 30 teams is way too much um, for where the league is right now. It's not even 30 years old, uh, the rebirth of this new league. So I just I just think it affects the quality a little bit. I, I do like how a lot of like NBA stars are kind of invested in the sport. Um, more and more people are kind of getting into it. I love what the Red Bulls did, um, with having their own stadium and they didn't go for something where it's like 50, 60,000 seats there. Right. You know, it's a, it's a nice decent sized arena where you could fill it up. You get a nice atmosphere in there and you kind of move forward. Um, I do love where they're kind of moving towards the younger, you know, Latin American types where you get a lot of Paraguayans come in the league and and they're producing as well. And and the thing is, I think they just need to follow the model of Argentina and the Brazilian leagues where you might not be as good as those other leagues, but you could have some really good teams that can compete against, you know, one of those top teams if it's like the FIFA Club World Cup on any given day, or you could just sell all your top talents to all these really massive clubs in Europe and kind of, you know, just develop your youth systems because some of these clubs have done a really nice job of that. Um, And there are really great atmospheres in some of these uh, stadiums as well. Sounders do a great job. Um, Kansas City in general, they always have a great atmosphere um, with any of their sports too. I mean, Atlanta United, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Like the atmosphere there for those games is just it's insane considering um, how some of the Braves games go. Uh, that was kind of the conversation we were talking about. So yeah, I think you have to kind of take it at face value. But what are, what was your initial reaction to the product of of this tournament so far? It's it's sluggish. It, it really. I mean, is, I'm I'm
1: expecting it to be pretty bad for the first couple weeks because these are they didn't get a long time to train. The you know the training camps were. Very quick, right? And in general, the soccer being played by these guys is of a lower quality. Anyways, it's it's kind of thrown together. The 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 pitches aren't great. Like, but you know, one thing that does make the MLS fun is the defenders are terrible. Teams are not spending money. Like when you're when you're like, oh, you know, how can we get fans to come? How can we make our team better? You're not going to go buy you know five million dollar defenders from the championship. You go buy Nani. You go by Chicharito. You go by Johnny Russell. You go by Zlatan. Like, you're, you're buying guys to score goals, not to stop the goals from coming in. So that actually is a cool part about the MLS.
2: Yeah, because it goes in hand-in-hand in hand with all the other leagues over here now. It's just high-scoring, high-paced games. You know, the NBA, there's a ton of threes. Uh, threes and dunks, you know, it's just it, it's pleasing towards the casual fan in the eyes. Um, same thing with the NFL. So many other guys are throwing the ball now. With baseball, it's really a ton of home runs. There's not a lot of, you know, bunt, hit, and run. We're going to steal a base here and there. All the little things it takes to win. Those things still matter, but at the end of the day... It's what the casual fan wants, right? And, and a lot of these teams are start like you have to put down like $300 million just to get a team in the MLS. So it's not cheap either. So so good on them for finally trying to get this tournament together. I know it's been a kind of a rocky start for them, but hopefully after the first week or so, if they can keep the the positive results down for COVID, I think it'll be a positive sign and they could hopefully finish out the tournament for them. But we're going to move back over to Europe Davis, Arsenal's playing pretty well again too. Um, they had that rocky start um, when when the, when the season first started back up again. Look, Manchester City throttled them. I wasn't really expecting a lot out of that, but it was the David Luiz game when, they, when they're losing to Brighton the way they did um, late into the game. But now they're finally moving towards that youth movement. They're playing more of their young guys. Bakayu Saka, they finally re-sign him and extend him. Gabriel Martinelli, one of these guys who came out of nowhere for them this season. They re-signed him as well. Aubameyang is still scoring all the goals like he usually does. We know we don't have Ozil in this. He's just, you know, kind of fading away slowly into irrelevancy, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, I don't know. Arsenal is one of these teams that you could kind of hop on and feel positive about because, you know, they haven't had the easiest of fixtures as of late. You know, they're kind of playing up to their competition. They look a little bit more organized. And, you know, Mikel Arteta he arrived in a very difficult situation. Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't something that's just, you know, easy quick fix overnight kind of what happened with United with their transfers in this year. It's going to take a little bit longer than that.
1: Yeah, it is. Um I I like what they have going on there though. You know, we've talked about I I really like Saka. I think that um playing young players who are attackers you know they've spent a ton of time practicing as attackers because you know when you're playing under 18s when you're playing under 23s when you're playing in the academy the really good players are going to play forward right they're going to play they're going to be playing striker or they're going to be playing winger because you know that that's just the natural progression of things and then as guys progress to the senior team you know we've seen this with the Zinchenko with Manchester City we saw this with Jordi Alba with Barcelona you know those guys who are uh, Marcelo with Real Madrid you know good attackers skillful on the ball great at crossing but maybe you know they don't have the best finishing product maybe they're they not you know the the most perfect striker of the ball those guys get pushed to left and right back and I actually think playing there as a young player even if you do end up playing as an attacker which I think is still Arsenal's plan long term with him I just think it makes you better at the game it makes you, you understand what's going on better you read things better you're able to see things progressing a little bit better and uh, you know really would not surprise me if five years from now Saka is like you know the best Arsenal player and he just is one of those guys who can really dictate the pace of play for the whole team.
2: It might even be two years from now, considering if a leaves. I mean, they, right. they have some options. They're going to have to get some wages off the books, um, spend a little money there. I think Upa Kamenko from RB Leipzig would be really like a home run of a transfer for them. I think they're, that's where they're definitely going to be looking at center back is, is one of the areas. But, I think it's important that they at least get that foundation in there kind of like what manchester united did kind of like what chelsea did um so for them real quick with chelsea too Kai havertz he might be going there that's 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 insane i mean so
1: the yeah the the weird thing about uh him going there is they're not signing him to play striker or winger like he would just be signed to play straight up like midfielder like that spot that yeah. Mateo Kovacic plays now and I, I you know if I'm him you know if I am Kai Havertz, I'm like why am I going to go play in the midfield you know and and for everyone to be mad at me all the time because I'm making N'Golo Conte's life harder you know I'm making Mason Mounts because because Chelsea fans love Mason Mount and yeah. he would he would basically be going to go play Mason Mount's position like uh you know if I if I'm him I'm saying I I don't want any part of this like give me I don't I don't want this take take me out of here
2: yeah i don't know well that's the beauty of it though right because he has time to think about it because it's ultimately his choice of where he wants to go um so at the end of the day i I really do think it's just going to be a chelsea a real madrid or a bayern to do this um i I don't really see any other scenario in which this goes down i think he's definitely going to be sold this summer because i don't think leverkusen really have a choice i don't think they should be messing around like that We'll see if he's still going to be playing in the Europa League, though, because that would be a huge boost to them. That's really their only main competition then. Again, that's like another avenue for a team to explore of getting back into the Champions League. Like, that matters. If they get back into the Champions League again, then you're kind of sitting there saying they don't absolutely have to sell him. Um, but I, I do think he's going to be out there because, again, you don't want a disgruntled player uh, to keep over there. Um, so it'll be something around, like, the 90 million euro range because he's that talented. Um, I don't know if you saw
1: Bundesliga team of the season. Uh, Thomas
2: is not in it.
1: Well, you know, it is It is hard um, with with the Bundesliga. Because, he set the like, assist I'm... record. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, he did. He set the assist record. Um, but, you know, at the same time, do we really think that he is, you know, one of the best... Eleven players in the Bundesliga. I I don't know. I, don't I think know if so. Is.
2: They put Holland I mean, I in though. If you put Holland in at striker when he joins in January, I think that's like a little unfair to him, especially when you're breaking an assist record. They could have moved it around that you put in the eleven. They put Holland and Lewandowski up top, and then Havertz dropped like right behind him as kind of the formation that they ran with. I don't know. Like, give two attacking midfielders. Like, how could you just break the assist record and do that? That was like when Marcus Sol won Defensive Player of the Year, but he finished all-second team defense. <laughs> like it right. just doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's amazing job for Holland. by the way. I mean, how many players can you see out there that'll come up for, like, five, six months and then are on to the team of the season for their first-ever time being in the league there? Um, only a matter of time before he heads out of Dortmund as well. Um, yeah, Bayern won the double now. They have a chance at this treble. I wish there was a futures bet that you could take for a team winning a treble, because right now that's actually very doable for them. Um, and, and it's probably going to be the only team that would be up for the treble as well. So, I mean, let's see if Bayern's able to do that. They're still the favorite there. Atalanta moved up to plus 1,500, so that's some more stuff you could look at because they keep changing as these teams keep playing. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the top matchups throughout Europe Alright everybody, welcome back into the Free Kick here on the Sports Grid TV Network. Martino Puccio and Davis Maddock here with you. Final two segments of the day, always the most entertaining and for, for my money, the favorite segments of the day for me. This is where we get into all the top matchups. This weekend across the top leagues in Europe, we know... Bundesliga is over. Obviously, League Un is isn't going to be starting up until late August again, so we just have the three main leagues to go by. We're going to stick with England this weekend. we got a couple of good matchups we want to get into here, Davis. Sheffield United versus Chelsea. Let's call it what it is here. Chelsea's a pretty big favorite in this one when you consider the triple money line. Minus 170 there. The draw's at plus 280. Sheffield's only plus 500 on the money line. We know they had their issues struggling... Are you enticed by it a little bit because Sheffield's been in a pretty decent run of form? Chelsea didn't play that great against Palace. That they're still picking up the points like they need to. They're not. They're not. They don't have that reliable goal scorer up top with Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud. They kind of been relying on their winger kind of guys. Willian has been playing well. We know how great Pulisic has been. But is there a scenario in which you want to say, "Hey, plus five hundred with Sheffield United"? Why not?
1: So. If I was going to bet one side of this game, I I would I would prefer the plus 510 for sure. Um so I think, you know, one of the, one of the issues Chelsea is going to have is they are just not a, a deep team at forward right now. You know, I I guess they could play Callum Hudson-Odoi more minutes, but, you know, he's not fully recovered from his ACL injury. They have been getting decent minutes from Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud, but those guys, you know, I think part of the reason why they want to sign Timo Werner, they want to sign Kaya Havertz, is they don't believe in those guys long-term at striker. And if Willian and... uh at the same time, Pulisic need to take a day off. You know, they need some rest. They need to come off it 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, you know, I think that becomes a lot easier. And also, Sheffield United has a great system with their three center backs to defend against that attack. You know, the three center backs and the two wing backs, like, they are set up perfectly to defend that 4-3-3. You know, that's that's why the 3-4-3 or the 3-5-2, uh, kind of depending on how they are working things that day, it was invented to destroy the four three three and you know like I, I, I really think I really think Sheffield can hang in this game.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. And you definitely look at their runner form. They're still giving up the fourth the fourth least amount of goals in the league. They're still tied with Manchester United right now, with only thirty three this season. So look they they can be had Chelsea in this scenario and especially when you don't have that reliable goal score. Dean Henderson's very good. And and to be honest with you Look, you you mentioned it. That formation does favor them. They have really good defensive organization as well. And the thing that I love about Sheffield too is that kind of when they lost these first couple games and they had poor results when they first came back, a lot of teams, a lot of clubs could have spiraled out of control, especially a newly promoted side that really hasn't been up here with that experience. But they haven't wavered at all. They've really stayed the course. And for me, I kind of like that because... Right here, when you when you get such a massive underdog like that, this isn't we're not talking about Bournemouth here. This isn't Norwich City. This is a pretty good team that has a chance at a Europa League spot that's plus five hundred against a team that has tendencies to play down to the competition. So for me, they might be probably the best underdog bet of this weekend out of all the top matchups that you're gonna be seeing across all these leagues. I don't know if you agree with that
1: no i I definitely I definitely agree with you if this if there was an underdog that I was betting I think we we've highlighted you know why this would mm-hmm. be
2: the one so Chelsea now we'll talk about the Chelsea side of things minus 170 is a lot are you only taking that if that's kind of in a parlay or do you not even feel safe because for me I this is like we said I love Sheffield as an underdog but I don't love Chelsea in terms of a favorite here at that number I just think that's a little too high for me
1: yeah, I you know I think that the favorites I would uh be betting this weekend, you know, I, and putting them in a parlay in terms of the EPL, you know, obviously Manchester City against Brighton, you know, not not scared at all there. I actually think Wolves are way better than Everton. I think plus 109 is probably, you know, a little bit too generous on the Everton side. And uh you know what? North North London Derby, give me give me Arsenal right now. Spurs are terrible. They they suck. Let's get into it.
2: Let's get into it then, right? This is this is one of the more fun and banterous rivalries because there's been a lot of you know sorrow and losing between these two clubs for a while. They've had high quality players, they've had really good teams that compete at a high level in the Champions League over the years and even Europa League, Hell, Premier League. I know that to a fault, neither of them have won anything in the past ten to twelve years, especially Spurs. But yeah, right now, how could you not love Arsenal in this because because of the way they've been playing? They just drew against Leicester. Like, look at this run of form here. Leicester, they grab a point. Beat Wolves, another three points. Norwich City, a team that they should absolutely beat. They smacked them 4-0. Sheffield United, a team that we just talked about that we liked. They grabbed three points there. Southampton, they beat them. So, for me, this is just something that you have to love seeing from Arsenal because it just takes a few games for a team to get confident like that. And the history surrounding Spurs, there's always that, you know... Want waiting around for Jose Mourinho's teams to just like pop and explode from the inside out, right? You, you just you always feel it. You just kind of knew it was coming, and especially with their history over there and that culture. Harry Kane's not scoring all the time. Like they couldn't even score against Bournemouth. They had an extra twelve minutes of stoppage time and they couldn't do anything. So it's just for me, it's I, I can't I can't put it on them. I I can't bet on Spurs anymore. I, I'm fading them big uh, time.
1: No no i mean so since since the return they just they they seem terrible right they they um they drew against united they their one you know convincing effort was the win against west ham but even you know that game against everton it's not like they it's not like they were crushing everton they were you know pretty much uh, even in terms of possession 51 48 Uh, 12 shots to 11 shots you know they just happened to they just happened and and, uh, actually i believe it was even an own goal um uh yeah it was it was it was an own goal by michael Keane in that game against everton and then they pretty much sat back and let everton you know get after them so you know i i i think jose obviously should be fired after this season and you know this is one of the games where because the market is viewing arsenal and tottenham similarly i i totally disagree with that analysis i think i think arsenal has shown us way more since the return
2: yeah absolutely and and the funny thing is the way what we were just describing and talking about it you see it on the screen now spurs are the favorite at plus 150 um, arsenals at the plus 175 and again this is another dog here in the pl that i like a lot more than the favorite and look it's not it's the, the odds makers here aren't very confident that there is a uh clear-cut winner in this either way because when you're a plus 150 favorite that doesn't say much about you to begin with um plus 175 with arsenal yeah and you know what the over two and a half i know how Mourinho sides play and all that stuff but i just i just kind of love the vibe around arsenal right now we know their goal scoring output that they can put out there this is a rivalry though so we have to take that into account there's a lot of bad blood here do you kinda go near the under two and a half, or? Because I would feel confident for sure at the under three and a half. I, I know that's at minus two sixty, but again, something you could put in a parlay if you had your Manchester City stuff going on there. If you want over two and a half in Juventus and Atalanta, that we will get into after. Like it's it's stuff like that where you could just like kind of find value and you feel confident in. Because there's no, I have a hard time seeing four goals in this matchup.
1: Um, I like I like the straight up under because Spurs are not going to be trying to score goals and they're going to be trying, you know, obviously to play defensively. You know, they're not that great at it. But, you know, when one team pretty much just wants to win one zero, you can chalk it up as a game where, you know, maybe even 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 losing one zero. I kind of think at this point the I, you know, just the Spurs are going to take, you know, basically not getting embarrassed at all. So I, I am in. On, uh, I'm in on this one for sure. I, I, I like the under on two and a half uh, uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook for this one.
2: Yeah, I, I really like that too. Um, Look, it's it's something I, I do see one of those things where it's just like a really sloppy goal and you're just like, what the hell is Spurs doing there? And they just let one in. Um, there's friction in the locker room too. I don't know if you saw the Hugo Lloris and, and Son uh, fighting as they were headed to the locker room at halftime at their other game. So it's just... Like I can't bet on a team that's just, you know, destroying themselves, and it's and it's been like this for a while, and and now it's just they play they paid Jose Mourinho so much money, and this is just really you know this could be a long term thing because there's not going to be European football being played there next year. That's disastrous. You go, they go from a Champions League final to finishing outside the top eight, as of right now they're ninth when we're recording this. That's disastrous. That's embarrassing. They fired their best manager in the past 30, 40 years. And they bring in Jose Mourinho, a guy who isn't his old self. He's past it. I to me it's just Spurs is just such a diabolical situation. They're not worth spending your money on unless you're betting them to lose. So No, yeah,
1: I would be I would be betting against them pretty much uh all the time. Yeah. It, it, no, doubt. Like, and
2: this is and this is also against teams like Bournemouth too like they go literally like literally West Bournemouth Hampton. like
1: yeah Bournemouth doesn't care and they couldn't beat Bournemouth when they have every reason to be caring there was actually a goal taken back that Bournemouth was up one
2: nothing, and then VAR yep. reversed it it like I don't know it's just I feel I feel badly for Spurs fans you know I root for a lot of awful teams that are comparable to Spurs here over here in the the U.S. so I kind of get where you're coming from but I'm sorry, I'm not betting my money on your team, so um, any other matchups in England that you want to look towards this weekend before we uh, head on out for the last segment?
1: No, I mean I I think the uh, you know I think I, I always like to watch Liverpool versus bad teams because it's kind of fun to watch them <laughs> panic, but I, I I think Curtis Jones will get to start in this game yeah. and uh, maybe maybe Rean Brewster as well and I like watching the the young Manchester or the young Liverpool guys.
2: Maybe Harvey Elliott, too. Harvey Elliott is one of their other very talented youngsters. I mean, look, it's just uh, Minamino, as well, that they that they acquired over in January. I just think there's, like, a few guys. This, this is, like, key and important stuff. This is—because Liverpool literally have nothing to play for anymore. They won their league. They're out of these other competitions. So so now, how about that, though? So, like, say they put out a weaker lineup. I know they could start out with, like, Amane, Salah, Firmino, Trio up top, but— would you take like a burnley to cover in this because we're asking burnley to cover plus two is at plus 100 that's not
1: no i i think you you only would bet against liverpool if van dyke sits and um okay. you know if because he's their best player van dyke might have even been over the last year you know the most impactful player in the world more so than well not more so than Messi, but more so than pretty much everyone else so i would i would definitely definitely not if pvd's not in
2: yeah, yeah, uh, Who knows if they if they give him a rest or something. It's, it's critical for player development, so we'll see uh, for the champions of England there. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the top matchups in Italy, who are the favorites, who aren't the favorites, do we agree, disagree on all these topics, and more when we come back here on the Free Kid.
0: SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, 24/7, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back into the studio here on the SportsGrid TV network. We got our final segment of the day here. Martino Puccio, Davis Matic. We're back to Italy. Yeah, I know we talk about it often, but there aren't that uh, many other games going on that we love here So we're taking in two of the bigger name matchups in this league as far as things go Juve Atalanta will have to start here Davis Look, Juve again, they pretty much won the league over the weekend They had that awful loss against Milan 4-2 to They weren't playing all their main guys We talked about Delict and Dybala not being in there But we know how big of a deal that is for them they're pretty heavy favorites going into this. Juve best team in the league going against Atalanta, by far the best team in Serie A since COVID play has returned. Atalanta's plus 260 on the money line. Juve's at even plus 100. Do you agree with this cuz I'm kind of scratching my head.
1: No, I uh I'm scratching my head as well. I mean, I think after watching some of these Juventus performances, I mean, Atalanta has just been you know, the, the way more like swashbuckling team, right? Like they just they're playing on the front foot way more. And if Ronaldo is not going to be the the open play God that we have come to associate with him over the years, you know, I just don't really know how Juventus can be considered to be one of the best teams in football because you, you look at their team. And you go, okay, so where where's the strength? You know, it's not it's not in goalkeeper anymore, you know, very average goalkeeping. Uh, it's not at center back anymore. Banucci is way past it. Rugani never got there. You know, he he's young. Um, and then and then you look at the midfield and you go, okay, you know, Adrian Rubio, he is awesome. He he is legit he is legit really, really good. But then their their rotation of other midfielders, I mean Pjanic, very overrated, and now, you know, 30 years old. Yeah, uh Bentenker is like, okay, but this is a guy who, you know, never is going to get EPL bids or anything like that. Uh, Matuidi, again, you know, passed, passed his best. I I mean, I, I think Atalanta just might straight up be the, the better team right now.
2: I think so as well. I think they're the best team in the league, and I don't even think it's like, yeah, I don't think you could second guess it. Um, we know that they're behind right now because they had that rough stretch. I think their defense is still horrific for all things considered for a team at that level. Um, but they're still, like, the goal scoring output, it just doesn't matter who they're putting in there. They're just creating so many chances. They're at the top of the league for expected goals, expected assists. It's just, they turn to so many guys. They fill into the system, like, and they just plug them in, and it just works. For Juve, they need all these guys. Like, right there, that Hu- Juve performance was the worst I've seen since they returned back in Serie A after they got relegated right. for, for the match, match fixing scandal. That was really bad, and they're just missing two players, Davis. At the end of the day, if you want to compete for the Champions League, you want to win all these trophies, and they, they might as well win this league again for like the eighth or ninth time in a row. But when you have two guys go down like that, that's very concerning for me. And the, one of them is a 20-year-old, and one of them is in their mid to late 20s in his prime. If you have one of the greatest players of all time in Cristiano Ronaldo, like Bonucci is supposed to be one of the greatest defenders in the world. He's not even close to that. He hasn't been in a couple years, right. probably since they lost that Champions League final. It's just stuff like that, and sorry makes me, like, he's putting Cuadrado and Danilo at fullback. Danilo is a natural right back, as we know. He's not that good in the first place. They put him at left back. Alexandro comes in. He gives up a free goal like that. Again, it's just kind of like this vibe that I don't understand the direction they're going in. They made a couple of good purchases. They're going to have Kulusevsky, who's over at Parma, who's been one of the better players since play has restarted. But for me, when we're talking betting again, Atalanta, again, definitely the best underdog by far in Italy, and I think all of European football this weekend. And you know what? Go with the cover as well. Plus one at minus 135. Like, give it to me. Give it to me. Like, come on now. I This is, like, this is something I can't really go against. The over-under 2.5, look, it's really just um, the over 2.5 isn't that low of a number. Minus 172 is kind of high, but I feel pretty good about it considering the way Juve has looked defensively. And you know still at the end of the day when you have Cristiano Ronaldo and Paulo Dybalos of the world, they're going to be able to get theirs too. So I'm comfortable in that. And would you entertain an over 3.5 at plus 146?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way I think the way that juventus is playing right now there i think a game that they would uh you know a game they would be planning on winning would probably be a high scoring game you know i don't i don't really know if um i don't really know if they have it in them at this point to win a you know a a defensive battle because that's i mean maybe the way they could win literally it would be a one zero with a ronaldo pk that would be the game i would see them winning that was low scoring I, i don't think any other any other way they win
2: so interesting about this right we know and we agree that this league is pretty much wrapped up we don't see juve slipping there's seven games left as of right now there'll be six after this atalanta win they're within six points we don't see them slowing down we could see juve potentially slip up and we'll run through juve's fixtures right now really quick after this game sassuolo not the easiest matchup, but should be a win. Lazio. Lazio's stumbling, but they've played him extremely well this but whole season. But they you
1: know, they have guys who are hurt and suspended exactly. and everything. You know, it's, so it's it's just like
2: you know. It's eleven it, it, days it, from it, now. A lot can
1: change. It just it seems unfair for them though. It seems like unfair for Lazio to have this great season. And, you know, I I um I, I listened to some you know, great soccer podcasts, one of them mm-hmm. being the Guardian Football Weekly Extra, and they have some really good Serie A content on there. And yeah. the, the panelists from Italy were making the point that perhaps no team was hurt worse by the stopping of the season than Lazio, who was undefeated at home. You know, yep. They had not lost in front of their home fans, and they had all this momentum, and now they don't get to play in front of their fans, and they were, they were having this great season that, that got cut short, essentially.
2: Yeah, and that was something I was saying, too, right when everything happened. And and I believe it might have been one of the first shows when we came back on here. They suffered the most by far. It wasn't even close. Like, when you're riding a hot hand like that, getting to play every single week with a thin squad doesn't uh, doesn't hurt them. But now, when you're playing every three to four days, and I've said this on my Twitter account, I've said it on a few other spots, too. That doesn't help them. They're very thin there, and that was part of the reason why they stunk so bad last season was that they couldn't participate in the Europa League when they're playing every three to four days, trying to go deeper into the competition, where they're falling down to a lower standard match week in Serie A, and we've seen it again, because they didn't even play that great from the start. They were lucky, like, they blew that 2-0 lead against Atalanta, where they came, Atalanta came back 1-3-2. to two. Then they were lucky enough to win against, you know, Fiorentina. They get smacked against Milan when they're losing two of their best players. And you know what? They were relying on Ciro Immobile a lot. You can, It's difficult to do. 29 goals now. Look, if he gets one more, by the way, it's a, it's a crazy note to think about. He would become the third player since 1959, 1960, to score 30 goals in this league. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the type of season he's having and they still didn't have enough. So for me, they're also someone to kind of fade for next season, by the way. So it's, that's just like a little, it, well, there. especially
1: if they don't, if they don't add guys and they kind of just run back like the same grouping of players that, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more.
2: Because at the end of the day you you'll get some money but champions league But how much are they gonna be able to get because they also have a lot of a lot of things that people don't know a lot of their fans are banned from going into the stadium because they bring pitchforks and flares and and a lot of other crazy stuff that goes down there if you want to look up on how the ultras are over in Italy and um, all those other places so for us Atalanta, probably best bet of the week in Italy here, but we're going to be moving on to my team, AC Milan versus Napoli. This was probably our best week in years, um, beating the top two teams in the league. We've played, we haven't lost to Juve in the in the three matches that we played in The Coppa Italia matches, we drew them both, and then we came back to beat them in this. Um, we played Napoli very close. Often, the last time we lost against them was three to two, but they had a two nothing lead in that. That was just one of those matches where Napoli very difficult to beat at the San Paolo. Looking at it here, Napoli, I think they deserve to be the favorite in this. I think there was extenuating circumstances for why Milan won those two games that they did, even though they are playing well. For me, I think Napoli is the favorite here. But do you agree with how big of a favorite that they are in this? Because at the end of the day when we're looking at a line that has plus 105 to Napoli and the way Milan is playing and the way they play against Napoli, I don't know, I feel like it should be a little bit closer, around the 130 range for Napoli, maybe my, uh, plus 140.
1: I mean, I do think Napoli is, is a good bit better than uh, oh, no, Milan. Sure. Though, Though you know, I do I do think that, just like kind of historically speaking, Hakan Chalinoglu is like a really underrated player. If he was playing in the Premier League, you know, he would be considered similar to like James Madison, you know, style player like he really is that good. You know, I think Milan's problem has just been goal scoring, you know, just just finding guys to put the ball in the back of the net. And maybe, you know, maybe uh, Zlatan and Rebic playing this well, you know, maybe that's not the problem anymore.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see. Rebic is Rebic is playing really well, but he's more of an out wide kind of guy. They still need that up and out uh, kind of player. They've been linked to Luka Jovic because that hasn't really been working out in Madrid. But for me, with Napoli, the biggest story here is Chucky Lozano's play finally playing well. He's been one of their better players right. since the return. We know he's a huge Mexican star. This was supposed to be, you know, there's Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. The new age of American Mexican soccer was supposed to be Pulisic versus Chucky Lozano. Um, he made that big move over the summer from PSV to Napoli, struggled for a while. Gattuso kicked him out of training for uh, lack of effort and all that jazz. Finally comes back, coming off the bench, producing at a pretty good level, Davis. Is that someone you're actually going to be targeting um, in terms of DFS potentially? Because I think he might get the start here after how well he's been playing.
1: Oh, Lozano, when he starts, uh, he is amazing for DFS because he wants to make something happen every time he gets the ball. He wants to cross, he wants to shoot, he wants to pass the ball to his teammates in goal-scoring opportunities. He is all action all the time.
2: Yeah, um, it's, it's really been fascinating to see them. I think Mertens, uh, Insigne, all their work rates in general have been so good. They're a deeper team than Milan, so this kind of favors them going into this. It's a little bit of a revenge game because Catuso is the manager, now at Napoli. He left Milan at the end of last season. is a legendary player for them as well. So I think there will be extra motivation for these Napoli players. For me, I will be taking Napoli money line in this. Um, I do think... As well, the over for two and a half is something I like. I do think both teams to score is something that we'll see as well. Milan's been one of their better goal scoring stretches in a while. Napoli just has so much firepower, in my opinion, that's somewhere um, I feel comfortable going with as well. Um, any any other things that you like in this matchup? Do you like Napoli to cover at at uh, minus one? That's at plus three
1: hundred. I like I like the over for these teams. You know, Napoli plays that really. Open attacking style. You know, we just saw the four-goal game from AC Milan. You know, of course, with uh, was Laton in there. So yeah, I'm I'm loving I'm loving the over in this one
2: yeah and there's been a lot of overs in A. it's actually just been insane because again we talked about it the reputation all the time is oh there's a very defensive league they don't give up a lot of goals but if you've been paying close attention these past couple of years i know you have with dfs there's a lot more goals than you would uh, like to think in this league so we'll go through all those matchups and review them when we come back here next week on the free kick thank you guys so much for watching Davis, thank you again for all the great advice, and we hope everyone wins a lot of money this weekend playing soccer DFS.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.